Welcome to Multimillionaire Secrets in 30 Minutes. I am super pumped up for today's guest. Been wanting to do this podcast for a while. It's one of my very best friends. He is a marketer, a copywriter, a businessman, an all-around great guy, super successful multimillionaire, and he's going to share his secrets with you today. So I'd like to introduce my buddy, Big Z, or Uncle Z as we call him, and let's roll right into it. How'd you get started in business? Wow. Okay. Uh, long story. Try and make it as short as possible. Um, you know, when I got to, uh, to college freshman year, um, freshman year, I, you know, mostly just worried about um, chasing after girls, things like that. Uh, joined a frat. Sophomore year, our fraternity got kicked off campus and, and basically disbanded. And I just found myself really bored and alone in a um, in one of the freshman dorms. At that point, something in my head just kind of clicked. Um, at at the age of nineteen, where I was like, "Oh well, I, I you know I've got to uh, figure out how to make uh, lots of money for some reason." Um, my parents didn't really make a big deal out of money growing up. Um, I knew money was a thing. I didn't really know the full extent of what it was used for or why I should want it. But just something popped into my head that was like, hey, man, you know, uh, yeah, you're in college now. This isn't going to give you a career. You need to figure out um, how to make lots of money for the rest of your life. Um, and, and really, it was just like I had this like space, uh, this, this space with myself to kind of let my inner thoughts sort of bubble up and start to form. And so I became just deeply interested in how do you make money online? And uh, yeah, I think I had like, I had less than a thousand bucks, but it was left over from my bar mitzvah money. Um, and so I basically used that money to buy books, uh, lots of them from Amazon. I just got after it and it became obsessed. Um, a couple years down the road, um, I, I was making a couple grand a month online you know, there, this is like back in the wild west days, it, it was pretty simple um, how to make money online. You just, you would run an affiliate link um, and buy Google AdWords and just, it, it was before like there was any compliance or, or competition. So, you know, bottom line is uh, I, I was a direct linking affiliate, which basically means I did as little work as possible and just started making some money. I started a review blog and signed up for affiliate programs and just sort of did it every day. And, and I, again, I didn't know why I was doing it, uh, but I knew I liked learning. Um, and so as I was sort of doing that, like simplistic, like it's the most ground level type of money making where you're literally just a middleman. Um, and I wasn't, I didn't have any big ambition really. Um, I was just playing with it and seeing if it was a real thing. Um, but at the same time, I was just loading up on really good books, you know, off, off the top of my head, just like I remember I was reading like, uh, I think it was Al Reese and Jack Trout, you know, the 22 immutable laws of, of either marketing, I think positioning. Um, I was reading all of Seth Godin's stuff, which uh, in retrospect, I really don't like very much. But at the time, it was just, it was just, I loved it. I was reading stuff by a guy named Guy Kawasaki. 
I was starting to uh, subscribe to a few online newsletters and paid programs where um, internet marketers were showing sort of how they were building their businesses. And so I had a really um, sort of 360 de degree education. So I was just kind of educating myself. Um, you know, I was learning direct marketing. I was learning branding. I was learning positioning. I was learning strategy. And it was really all out of the love of learning in connection with this sort of um, internal GPS that was sort of pointing me in the right direction. And I was listening to it. Um, oh, also reading a lot of mindset books, psycho-cybernetics, um, you know, Anthony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within. Um, there was a really good book that I remember reading. I think it was called Overachievement, like the real science of success. But I remember it being really good. And it was um, taking kind of all of these things that you would hear and just sort of saying, actually, that's not what real overachievers do. Like, I remember one example was, um, you know, put all your eggs in one basket. Like, if you look at really successful people early on, they're not diversifying. They're not, um, they're not hedging their bets. They're not making sure they have enough money left over. So if this one fails, the next one, this book was like, go for broke, put all of your eggs in one basket. And later you can worry about diversification. And, and so, you know, I just, I was giving myself sort of this 360 degree education um, on internet marketing, business, and, and sort of performance psychology. Um, about a year later, uh, I, I was studying in um, London as part of an exchange program. Um, and it wasn't really a study program. It was, it was like a work exchange. So I was working for a big PR firm as an intern. Um, basically my job was getting coffee, but the group were, but they were English. So they didn't even want coffee and I had nothing to do. Um, and, and I, I met a guy who had just started a business and he started, he started basically grilling me about how to improve his business. And I just started kind of answering and knowing the answer to a lot of questions that he was presenting to me. Um, and he was super impressed and, and I was sort of like, Oh, that's interesting. Um, I, apparently I have a lot of stuff in my head. Uh, and then he, he asked me if I, uh, if I, you know, could do copywriting. And I said, of course. And then I went home and like typed in what is copywriting. Um, and when I did that, I was like, oh, this is what copywriting is. Okay. I kind of know what this is, but this deeply fascinates me. And that led me to basically studying, um, probably trying to give a realistic number here, probably six study period was about a year and a half, um, six hours a day, just reading everything I could from direct marketing people about uh, uh, persuasive messaging, copywriting, um, influence, salesmanship. And I went deep and, you know, long, basically uh, spring break of senior year, this guy said, hey, listen, um, don't get a job when you graduate, just run my business and, and we'll split up the money. Um, business, uh, when I got involved was doing 40,000 a month. Um, and, uh, you know, within six months, uh, we took it to like 150,000 a month. And, and when that happened, uh, 
I was confronted with, so I basically inherited a business, let's call it, with a lot of employees, a lot of complexity, really bad, uh, it was a really bad business model, uh, but I grew it and we hit this point where we were like past the 100K a month mark and then I realized I had to become way smarter if I wanted to like win and, and be successful at what I was doing. Basically, the, the insight I had was that I couldn't just out-market every problem that was coming across my desk. I had to like learn how to make dis- business decisions um, and personnel decisions and strategy decisions. Where'd you um, learn to make those decisions? So um, a few places. Um, one of entirety, learning can't happen in a vacuum. So, so I had to learn it by being in the battlefield and then going home, you know, metaphorically, and then like studying how to make decisions. And so know that what I wanted to do was to learn how to become a better decision maker. Uh, somehow I knew, and I reached out to um, a gentleman who had, I had gone to his seminar a year earlier um, uh, so, so there was this guy who was, who was teaching me copywriting and, and he charged $25,000 a year. Um, and I basically told him, look, like, uh, I, you know, I had like, you know, like 600 bucks. I spent it on books. I, you know, I've got $10. Um, so I, I guess you don't want to do this. And he, he sort of saw the hunger. Um, well, he did see the hunger. And so he began training me in copywriting. I wanted sort of this teacher to guide me and uh, worked for him in exchange. And so I went to this seminar my senior year of college and was taking notes in the audience for the guy I was learning from. And the guy on stage, uh, this guy, Mike, was real smart. And there was just something about him. He seemed to have all the answers. He just seemed like he knew a lot of stuff. And, and that, uh, you know, quite literally attractive to me. It makes me want to find out more. Like, this person knows a lot of stuff. Like, I, I got I to gotta learn. So for someone listening that doesn't know what copywriting is, yep. you're considered one of the best copywriters in the world, as is my business partner, Craig Clemens. Can you just explain in a nutshell what copywriting is and why it's so important to any business, not just internet marketing? Yeah, absolutely. So copywriting is, um, I don't like the term copywriting and I don't like it classified as copywriting. It's persuasive messaging. It's how do you get people to do people to do anything? Uh, the salesmanship in print is, is really what it is. So um, that used to be the old definition of copywriting, right? Salesmanship in print as we move, move forward. Now it's just sales. It's, it, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's call it this, call it one to many selling presentation, um, you know, that's posted online. It could be, it could be anything. It's basically it's, any non-in-person selling. Yeah. Yeah. And it could even be in person. Like I would consider copywriting a fundamental uh, skill for someone who like speaks for a living from the stage and then sells. It's just one to many communication where the core uh, fundamental goal of it is to create an action in the, the, the prospect uh, time you and so that's what copywriting is. It's being persuasive. It's learning um, how to make someone buy. And it's to a lot of entrepreneurs, what you'll find that a lot of them have a background in some type of selling. Some started off studying copywriting. A lot some of the successful ones have a background in selling. One of the things that I've noticed, and you probably have as well, is a lot of these people that just come up with a product or service and they don't have a background in selling, they expect it just sells itself and they completely fail, which is why it is so important to 
understand what copywriting or salesmanship is and be good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, step one in a business is how do we sell this stuff? Or, or let's call it step 1.1, right? So you, you start with the idea, you know, you have the product, the service, the concept. Immediately, your mind has to go to how do we sell this thing? And, you know, if, if you look at someone like a, a Steve Jobs or an Elon Musk, everyone um, really focuses on, you know, their product design, this, that, and the other. But those guys are fundamentally hardcore salesmen, um, absolute masters. I mean, I remember... I remember watching the iPhone um, product launches and just thinking to myself, oh my gosh, these guys are using every single persuasion trigger in the book to get as many people as possible to buy this, this damn thing. And, um, and Elon with his demonstrations, I mean, these are large choreographed sales presentations. Um, but yeah, I mean, if someone if I'm talking to someone and, and they're telling me about this product or idea that they have, and you know, we're talking for more than a few minutes and they haven't told me how they're going to sell it. Um, you know, uh, I, I won't say I write them off, but I put them into the category of, okay, this person better partner with someone who knows how to sell or nothing's going to happen. Build it and they will come is absolutely deadly. Um, there's very few instances where that works. It's, you got to know how to sell. And it's, it's really, it, it's, it's right up there with coming up with the thing and arguably even more important than coming up with the thing is how are we going to sell this thing? And, and that's the, the, the question that salesmanship answers. Um, Why do you think some people, they want to stay away from selling? Is it because it's hard or they're ashamed of it? They're embarrassed to actually be selling. Cause I couldn't agree more. I think selling is the most important part of any business with no customers. There's no business. A lot of it has to do with shame. I'd say most of it. Um, you know, there's this sort of archetype of the cheesy salesman and selling can be done with grace or it can be done, you know, it, it could be done with grace and elegance. Let's call it, uh, let's call it elegance. Um, so if you see Elon Musk selling, you don't even know you're being sold. Um, but there is the archetype of the, the phone salesman, the door to door salesman who's being cheesy and, and transparent. And, you know, it's like, if you can tell the person's trying to sell you while they're selling you, then they're not selling you correctly. Uh, good salesmanship doesn't feel like you're being sold. It feels like it someone was your understands. idea to purchase. Yeah, it, it it feels like this this um this it feels like this message showed up in front of you from someone who who completely understands you, your life, the issues you're dealing with. Uh, you have aha moments. You go and you go. Wow, I'm I'm learning. And then at the end, you're buying. Um, and it's it's uh, at the end, they, they think it was their choice and it was their choice. But if you do your job correctly, um, you basically, I mean, I, I sort of have a, a framework for how it works. Um, I, I could share that um, if, if, you, if you think that's valuable. Um, yeah, I think it would be extremely so, valuable. Because yeah, I think yeah. that people don't understand selling and obviously the business that I've yeah. been in and that you're in, we understand that if you can't sell, you're done. And I cannot agree more that while the products are cool, 
a Tesla is a cool car and an iPod is cool. Those are some of the best salesmen in the history of modern times. Yes. So, um, you know, where I start with my, you know, like, let's call it like my, my key, like the core principles, uh, like, like the essence of salesmanship. And, uh, you know, you, cause you could read copy books for like, you know, you could read books on this for like 10 years. And if someone asks you to boil it down to a few sentences, you'd still have trouble because there's so much stuff. But the, the, the foundation of it all is it actually uh, relates to the bigger uh, sort of question that we're answering is like, you know, um, product versus salesmanship. And so um, the biggest problem that, that most people make uh, or, or the biggest mistake that most people make, sorry about that, um, is they, they sell from a product-centric place, meaning um, they say, okay, I've got this thing, how do I sell this thing? And um, the number one question is, who am I selling to? And then from there, it's like, it's who am I selling to? What do they believe about the world, about themselves, about their problems, about their past, about their present, about their future, about everything that, that they've tried before, everything that just, what do they believe? And so it's who are they? A big thing is where are they? Um, we'll get to that, um, I'm assuming, a little bit later in this, but it's who are they? What do they believe? And then what must they believe in order to buy what it is you're selling? And then you, you look at what they believe and then what they have to believe. And then salesmanship is sort of the art and science of saying what needs to be said in what order to make them believe what they need to believe given what they already believe. So you have to transform the way they think about some things, um, so on and so forth. And, and basically if you can say the correct things in the correct order to take them from where they are to where you want them to be, which is on the precipice of, of buying, you've done your job um, as, as a, as a salesman. And um, again, most, most people really start with, you know, I've got this thing and uh, here's like all the benefits and um, you know, benefits meaning, you know, here's what you get by using the product and they're very product centric. Um, they're obsessed with their product and they're not obsessed with their end user. And so they don't even know how to have a conversation with that person. They're, they're, you know, it's like talking to someone who doesn't listen. They're just um, waiting for their chance to talk about what's popping up in their head. And it's very off-putting. Um, people want to feel understood. Um, and they want to feel that they're talking with someone who has their best interest at heart and who understands them uh, and who's bringing solutions to the table. And so um, that's, uh, you know, to me, like when you boil copywriting down, it's, it's, it's who am I selling to? What do they currently believe? What must they believe to buy? And, and how do I get them from where they are to where I want them to be uh, mentally? Um, and, and then what do I say and in what order to, to create that to happen? And um, now below, and that's where all of the uh, methods and sort of uh, the, the, the triggers that we get from, you know, psychology, 
it all goes in there and there's a million and one things, but at its very core, that's like the distillation of it. And um, I, I would, to circle back to the original question, I would suggest that the cheesy salesman is, he's focused only on the product and selling it. And they're not um, focused on the person they're selling to. And, and I think a lot of people have this idea in their head of what a salesman's like. And it's not a pretty picture. And so uh, even if they do encounter um, lessons on selling, um, they, they, uh, they experience this sort of cognitive dissonance, right? This, this thought that, okay, yeah, there's this, uh, so I have someone here who's trying to teach me something and they say it's really valuable, but if I learn it, I'll end up like that cheesy vacuum cleaner salesman. I don't like that. Um, I am a respectable person. This is a, a respectable product and people don't like hype and people don't need to be sold. And it's, it's, it's a combination of ego and, and shame about what they think selling is. And so they forgo learning how to sell usually until they're uh, just about broke and willing to try selling um, and either enlist someone else's help or, or just actually put in the work to, to figure out how to sell the darn thing. What do you think of this concept? One of the things that helped me get past, I didn't have a lot of obstacles, but get past selling or persuasion or whatever we want to call it, but basically transferring the money from a prospect into your own and making a sale if we're going to be blunt about it. One of the things that really helped me was when I stepped back and I thought about it and I thought about human interaction and my thinking was, it's not always a product being sold. It's an idea. It's you ask a girl out on a date, there's a sale being made or there's a no, there's a situation that occurs every day, multiple times where you're trying to get someone to do something and they're trying to get you to do something. So when I looked at selling and turned it into, fuck, this is one of the most essential skills for a human being to have. Mm -hmm. I need to learn this. It completely changed the game for me. Right. And it's, it's, um, it's completely, uh, it, it, it's, it's a fundamental and it transfers across so many domains of business. So once you know how to sell, then you can negotiate, then you can have difficult conversations with business partners where um, you want to do X, they want to do Y, you know, at your very core that X is the correct answer. And you have these tools hardwired into you to, to help you put your idea forward in its best life, in its best light, so that it can be um, understood, appreciated, and accepted. Um, you know, at its, at its core, you know, leadership is about painting a compelling future um, in such a way that other people uh, want to head in that direction. And at its core, selling um, a product is painting um, a, it's painting the picture of, of a better future for your, for your prospect and saying, look, like, this is what the future can be like. Um, and then you, you address all the stuff that would get in their way, take them through it. And you say, come on, let me lead you to a better future here. The product is just a piece of how you get them there. Um, but at the end of the day, um, ideas are being sold by you and to you every second of every day. So I mean, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think anyone listening, it's very important to understand that what's really being sold is not a product or a service. So listen to that. 
what's really being sold is not a product or a service. What's really being sold is simply an idea. And if you get the other person to believe that idea, money changes hands as a byproduct. And that's very, very important for people to understand. And when you or I look at some of the video sales presentations of a company called Agora that I'm sure people have seen their work or not, they have a lot of financial newsletters, they're all about selling a big idea. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, so the big idea is actually, so I love the big idea and it's a term that um, people who work uh, in selling really, the really good ones are really good at it. So like what separates the, um, you know, a company that does a billion a year from a company that does a hundred thousand a year, it's most likely that the company doing a billion, uh, a billion a year understands the power of the big idea, but there is a distinction, right? So um, there's the big idea and then there's kind of the bigger idea. The bigger idea is quite simply the future that the prospect wants for themselves. And so that's the biggest idea of them all, but here's the problem. Um, there's a lot of people selling and they've been getting sold to for a very long time. So simply saying, um, uh, you know, hey, uh, here's what your future can be like if you use my product. That's not going to get the job done. So uh, it, it's just, you know, if you've had a thousand people tell it to you and most of them are lying, uh, you're going to put up your resistance. So what is the big idea? Um, you know, the term the big idea um, really refers to the fundamentally appealing and sticky and contagious idea that you want to tie all of your marketing and advertising message to um, that if accepted, the person will buy. So it's, you know, when I talked about, um, you know, uh, what does this person believe and what must they believe to buy? This, the big idea is, is the overarching idea that if they accept it, the only logical conclusion is to buy your product. So then you can break it down into its components. Um, one of the key parts of a big idea is, and so there, there's like components and then there's sort of um, things that you can use to describe the characteristics of a good one. Um, but the, one of the key components of a big idea is it explains very succinctly how and why this solution is gonna work when all else have failed. And that's, that has to be in the big idea. Um, and how that solution works for the big idea, not necessarily how it works for the product that follows the big idea, because the big idea doesn't necessarily need to include a product. Like for example, yeah, but it, it usually lays the, the, the groundwork, groundwork. What's coming next. Yeah. So, like so it's example, not necessarily, yeah, go, go ahead. So like when you look at like, an, like a, like a financial offer, like one of the ones you might see right now in today's economic times is you see, uh, the, the Fed is printing all these dollars. The dollar is going to go to total shit. There's going to be hyperinflation. Hey, you know what you should do? You should go buy 
goal. So they write these presentations and sales letters. They don't even talk about the product where basically just that entire presentation is getting you to believe the big idea of you're fucked if you have dollars. So then the only logical conclusion after you've watched this whole presentation where they didn't once tell you to buy gold, they just sold right. you on the idea of the dollar is going to shit. Right. At the end they come in, now that you believe the big idea and shove the gold down your throat because that's the only logical solution based on what you now believe. Right. So, so exactly. It's, it's the idea that if, be, if believed and accepted, the only logical conclusion is for them to uh, give you their credit card information and buy what it is you have to sell. And, and so within that is you basically lay the groundwork for why your thing is going to work, but you don't talk about the thing. Um, sometimes you do, but you don't have to. But it's, um, well, here, I'll give a few characteristics of the big idea. One is that they're usually very- you just give very, a few examples of big ideas? Yeah. Um, so let me think here. There's so many. Um, so like one okay. of the ones, so, we, do so, of, we do a lot of fitness stuff. So one of the things is like, believe the big idea that you need to be healthy in this manner of your life this is the product that would get you that health. So, right. So, so, okay. So in that, in that, uh, on that track, right. So here's a big idea. Eat right for your metabolic type. Eat right for your type. Date right for your type. Work right for your type. So that's sort of a, a, a four year type is, uh, is sort of a big idea template. And so, one of the best ways to find big ideas is to look at past, um, you know, nonfiction bestseller lists because people grad. Uh, okay. So the four hour work week is a big idea. Um, and, but so, so let's go to eat right for your type, right? So the way the sales pitch would work is you explain to this person that, you know, they've been trying to lose weight and they're failing. And, and the, quite frankly, the problem is, is that you know there's a few different uh, metabolic types, and if they've been they've they've quite simply been um, operating on bad information, they're being told to eat uh, this or that. But the truth is, is that everybody's uh, everybody falls into one of these three categories, and if you if you identify your category and you just eat right for your type, you'll lose all the weight you want. And um, not once during that are you talking about whatever it is you have to sell but you're creating uh, an aha moment, uh, a moment for that person where they're like, oh, this is why I failed in the past. And now I, I, I know what to do in the future. Um, but the problem is they don't know how to do it. And then you can sell the how. So the big idea can a lot of the times sell the what. And then when you uh, transition to the product, it's more about, okay, well, so I told you what you needed to you know, I view it a lot like going to a doctor's office and you say, okay, doc, here's, um, here's, here's, uh, what's, here's what's wrong with me. And they sit there and they listen. Um, and then they say, okay, here's what's at, here's what's going on. You know, um, the reason why you're feeling, um, you know, low energy is because, um, you know, you've been working too hard and, um, this chemical in your brain is, is a little jacked up. 
Um, some things are out of alignment and that's why you're feeling tired. Um, and, you know, and the chemicals called, you know, pick your neurotransmitter, say, say it's uh, dopamine. Um, so you, you need to increase your dopamine. And so what's your next question to the doctor going to be? It's going to be like, well, how? He's going to say, okay, well, what you need to do is you need to take this and they write a prescription and you don't even question it because he just explained to you how your problem's working, what's wrong. Um, it, it's almost like, uh, you know, what's wrong. And so he tells you the whole, what you need to do. You need to raise your dopamine level. And then maybe he, he writes a prescription for a, um, a pharmaceutical drug. Maybe he, he tells you to take these three supplements. Uh, maybe they sell them up front at the doctor's office where he makes a 2X markup on it. Um, but there was so much evidence that you just believed this big idea, AKA the problem. And now you're doing the solution. It would be illogical. Yeah. yeah you just do what the doctor says. And, and that's, so that's another piece of selling, right? Pro when selling is done properly, um, you create, so, so let's think about a situation, um, where there's a doctor, he's sitting behind a desk. There are diplomas on his wall. Um, he has a, a computer that you can't see. Um, you know, he's, he's been through years of medical school. Um, you know, there's all this sort of credibility and proof and reasons why you should trust this person. And they're painted all over the sales environment, um, or the, the medical environment. But, um, these are all things that you actually want to incorporate in your sales messaging so that you can do prescriptive selling. Um, so a big thing, you know, when someone's being um, persuaded, a question in their head is, who are you and why should I listen to you? And, uh, you know, effective selling involves explaining who you are and why the person should listen to you um, beyond a doubt. Um, the two things that, that the best do is uh, they come up with compelling, simple, easy to understand, contagious, big ideas, and, and their sales messaging contains massive amounts of proof, trust building, and, and credibility. Um, so again, if you look at a good advertisement versus a bad advertisement, or a good persuader versus a bad persuader, um, talking about extremes, right? Like, look at the best versus the worst. The two most distinct differences you'll see is one's using really good big ideas, and is establishing um, ability, and usually the the the, the poor uh, salesman is not. So what if we did this? There's a business that you and I both know very well that was a few years ago, and I would love to hop on a separate podcast with you where you break down this business where they did an amazing job selling the big idea. We both know the owner of that business, and it made tens of millions of dollars of profit. And I think if you and I were to sit down and break down this business, it would be extremely valuable for anyone listening. And you know which business I'm going to talk about? You want me to just throw it out there? One of the best big idea selling I've ever seen in my life. Not sure which one you're talking about. There's, there's a few that come to mind, but. I'm thinking of Pandora's Box by Vinda Carlo. Sure. Okay. Where he put the big idea was there's 10 different types of women. And the reason you're not getting laid is because each of these 10 types need to hear something a little bit different. You're just simply saying the wrong thing to the wrong woman. 
So if you knew mm -hmm. what each one wanted to hear, all of a sudden you're just matching green with green and now you're working. And then you go, you know, yeah. blue with blue. And the salesmanship in that business was unbelievable. Yeah. And, and that's a permutation of eat right for your type. Um, now you could say date right for your type, but it's actually one step. There's another like rotation around the axis and it's actually um, speak right for her type. And right. so uh, it's, it's kind of built off the same foundation, but yeah. Uh, and and I'd, I'd be happy to, to analyze. Yeah, I think we should do that. We'll do yeah. it on a separate podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll film that and we'll break it down and you can go through and go through all the psychology of why it's working and why it worked so well. It's no longer an offer that's running because those things last a couple of years and then they burn out. But that was a very, very tens of millions of dollars of profitable business. It's huge. Yep. Yep. And key to it was that big idea. And that's what separated it from a lot of the competition. Um, and that's what made it so compelling. There's a book recommendation that I have to anyone that wants to um, get closer to understanding the characteristics of a big idea. And that's the book Made to Stick. Uh, I think the two is the, is the number two. It's called Made to Stick. And they've got something in there called the success model. And it's, um, it's an acronym that describes uh, sticky ideas, ideas that get listened to, accepted, and, and, and followed. And uh, I suggest just about any, anyone who's a human being should read the book. Um, I'll give you the 10-second summary. And, and when I say 10-second summary, it usually means like six minutes because just, I just blab. But uh, so I think they spell success kind of funkily. Um, but it's basically simple, unexpected, concrete, simple, emotional, and stories. And simple, unexpected, and concrete are very, very powerful bits of, of a big idea, um, particularly unexpected. And so when you can, uh, unexpected, simple, and concrete. I mean, if you, if you look at the election of um, uh, Donald Trump, there, there's such simplicity to his ideas. Um, his ideas were very unexpected, caught people off surprise, and concrete. Simplicity and concreteness go together. When, when I say concrete, it's an idea that you, it doesn't require um, a person translated in their head, um, they get an immediate visual. They understand what's being talked about. It's very visual. Um, it's as if they can see and touch the idea in front of them. And a lot of times, if I'm looking at um, marketers, uh, some sales piece, you know, one of the things that I'll, I'll write on, on document um, or, or on the paper if I'm doing it by hand is just too abstract. You never want someone to have to work to understand what it is you're trying to say. You want to um, trade it into it. You know, it's like you want it to be in its final form. You don't want to require them uh, of converting what you said into a mental picture. You want to serve them the mental picture that they immediately just get and understand. Um, because if you try and make your prospect do the work of just something that they can get, it's, you lose because fundamentally people don't want to work too hard 
to understand what people are saying to them. Uh, if it's a if it's a simple idea, and if it's a, a very concrete idea that they can get an immediate understanding and visual of it, and then if it's out of left field, like if it's unexpected, if it goes against the grain, um, those are filters. You know, if you're looking at something and you're saying, okay, well, my big idea is this, and you ask yourself, is this a simple idea? Here's another example. Um, if someone comes to me with a business idea and it takes them more than a sentence to explain why it's going to work, my immediate response is, uh, you got to go back and work on that because you weren't able to communicate it to me in one sentence. So your, your idea is still the messaging of your idea is still too complex because you weren't able to just give it to me like that. Um, so, it, you know, if you're at home listening to this and, and, and you're thinking, okay, so the big, the big idea behind my, my product or offering or, or service is this, if it, if it's like three sentences long, is it simple? Nope. Cause if it's simple, you can explain it in one sentence and they get it. Um, and, uh, that that's like that would be like the first test I would run any idea through, um, and and you know as well, um, you have to understand that you're selling in relation to everything that's been sold before it. So if you come to me and say, "Hey, I can show you how to get six pack abs," okay, uh, you know I know personally I grew up watching, uh, and it's actually it, it's funny because I was like drawn to infomercials as a kid, and I and I. You know, I was like this prepubescent boy who for some reason would uh, spend three hours watching an infomercial on the ab flex or the easy crunch. And I'd like run up to my parents being like, listen, like we need, I need your credit card. Uh, you know, I know I'm eight. I need your credit card because it's very important that we buy this device so that your son can have six pack abs. He doesn't have an armpit hair. And he, he, quite frankly, he doesn't have any muscle and can't build any for another, you know, four or five years. But listen, let's buy now. And um, so I grew up on that. So I've been listening to marketers tell me that I'm going to get a six pack if I do what they, uh, if I buy what they're selling. So if you're trying to sell me the, the picture of six packed abs and, and, you know, Lord knows um, I could, I could use a set of those, but if you're trying to sell me that you're the person who has the answer, your message is going to be processed by someone who has been hearing pitches on this thing for, you know, 25 years. And so you have to come at me with an unexpected, refreshing, new, something I haven't heard before, because as a salesman or as a marketer, um, the worst thing that you can do is elicit the response. Oh yeah. I already know that. I've heard that before. It's death. It just kills it. Yeah, I know that. Oh, I've already been told this before. Okay, I can tune out. Um, but if they haven't been told something before or if it's never been explained in this light, the, their, their entire like um, neurology and psychology like lights up and it's like, okay, here's something new that could be useful in, in life. Like they, they kind of turn on the, the information receiving uh, like mechanism and they, they, they listen and they watch and they read with great intent and curiosity and they want to be sold because of because they've never heard this before and it seems to make sense the idea 
of focusing on your your prospect versus your product is a big one and it it has to and it's what drives how to sell Um, but it also drives where to sell and so the other application of it is keeping in mind where your prospect is so that you can reach them. And again, it's a mistake I've seen time and time again. It's the person comes up with the product. It's a great product. And then they don't know where to go to, to get in front of their customer. And by um, really thinking deeply about that customer, you can begin to figure out where that, you know, in, in the case of, of someone who sells online, Um, you want to think, where is this person? And then you want to go to those places and you want to, you want to see what other stuff is being sold to them and, and how might you, um, get your, your voice heard and how, how you can break through sort of the, the, the noise of all the advertising and then speak to them in, in the way we've talked about on this, but, you know, so I, I'd say the big idea really is is a, a focus on your prospect versus a focus on your product, because that can uh, sort of spearhead two very important things, which is um, number one, how to how to get eyeballs on your idea. And then number two is uh, how to make your idea a, a persuasive one so that people buy. And, and those are uh, two of the three most important things. You know, you want to be able to um, drive clicks um, or, or uh, impressions or whatever it is you're doing. It's different for every business, but you basically want to be able to get in front of someone and then convince them of something. And um, really very early on thinking about where your person is, um, who's going to buy, uh, that, that'll like set you up for fundamental success when you're trying to solve the problem of, okay, well, how do I get, um, you know, online visitors or how do I get, um, customers through the door? So, um, you know, it's the same, it's the same, uh, big idea, which is, uh, prospect centric versus product centric. Um, but it can be applied, uh, on the other side of the sort of traffic versus conversion, uh, or the traffic and conversion, um, spectrum. And so, and here I'll tie it out with an example, right? So one place that offer, um, Pandora's box you were talking about earlier, one place where they did very well was, uh, they run, they, they run a lot of advertising on plenty of fish. There were a lot of products that uh, a lot of businesses at the time that were selling similar stuff um, on, you know, how to be more successful with dating, but they weren't advertising in the dating sites. And that's crazy. And it's very simple how to arrive at the conclusion of, well, we need to put ads up in dating sites because that's where your prospect is. So not only did, did uh, that business uh, come up with an incredibly compelling sales message, but by being prospect focused, they were like, all right, well, where are the people we're trying to reach? Oh, they're inside dating sites. And not only that, 
um, in many cases, they're inside of dating sites that require you to pay to be inside of them. So, okay, they have, they've shown a, a willingness to buy stuff. They've, they've shown a willingness to take out their credit card and buy stuff online. No sort of tire kickers or freebie seekers here. Now, in the case of Plenty of Fish, those people, I, I believe that's a, a free service. But, you know, is Match.com, right? You know, so it, it's... Uh, yeah, the most important that, that, lesson there yeah. was they were, you know, they're putting dating advice in front of people that are looking to meet someone of, you know, uh, to start a relationship or whatever. So they, you know, they went with this content to exactly where the hungriest fish were and they, they did a great job with it. And let's say Pandora's box, break it down um, where you can go into a full detail because it's such an amazing business and it was an amazing sales letter. And the cost of the product, they probably made that whole thing for under 10K. And I don't know what it grossed exactly, but I'm assuming it did, you know, at least 50 million top line, maybe probably way more than that. But either way, the return on the work and the money put into that, astronomical. And anyone listening could start a business like that. They just simply have to learn the skills to be able to do it. So that said, I wanna thank you for coming on Multimillionaire Secrets in 30 minutes. Uh, you're one of my best friends. I highly respect what you've done. Congratulations on all your success. And I will see you tomorrow to watch UFC, some entertainment brought to you during coronavirus, courtesy of Dana White. And after that, I will get you to do another podcast where we break down Pandora's box and you talk about any subject that you want to talk about related to business, because anyone that listens will make more money as soon as they apply what you say. So listeners, this guy's the real deal. I've known him 10 years does similar stuff to what I do. He's very good at it, has made a ton of money. Listen to what he says and go out and make a ton yourself and enjoy your day.